Hey, all you lovely listeners, Ernest here. I am hoping this is finding you all doing as well as possible at the moment. Um, I wanted to jump back into your podcast feed to announce where we will be going on our Vintage Project Runway journey, because we have heard from you and we will be covering season 12. So it's it's semi-vintage because we're heading to the olden days of Project Runway when it was on Lifetime a lifetime ago. Um, it was a very dramatic season, lots of emotions, some run-ins with production, but most importantly, that season had some truly fantastically, amazingly talented designers that we have already covered here on the podcast because many of our favorite Project Runway all-stars are season 12 alums. So get ready. The episodes are available on Hulu or YouTube TV if you have subscriptions there It's because it's already on those platforms. It's also out there on Apple TV, Prime, and, and other streaming services as well. So we're gearing up to head down memory lane of one of my favorites and clearly one of y'all's too. So thank you so much to all of you who wrote in or commented and let your voices be heard. And when we have time, you will be venturing into the other seasons that people suggested, like season eight, season two, and season 11, which was the notoriously dreaded all group challenge season. We will hopefully get to those as well. So until then, I'm putting one of our bonus episodes on the main feed. Um, Nalan and I have been going through the BBC historical fashion sensation that is A Stitch in Time. And so what you'll hear is our very first episode covering the show. And our wonderful Patreon patrons have full access to all of our current and upcoming bonus episodes that also include conversations between Patricia and I about the Vogue September issue. And we were also chatting about Netflix's Next in Fashion over there. So you're all all welcome to join us on Patreon, where your support goes towards the production costs for the podcast. And if not, we'll see you here on the main feed soon. So tell your friends about us, especially if they're into super deep dives into all the nuances of this Peabody award-winning show. Yes. All right. So get ready for season 12, y'all. And I hope you enjoy our inaugural conversation about A Stitch in Time. All right. Bye. And the britches are sort of hanging low. It's really very... A very like he's undressing. <laughs> yeah, a very sort of sensual look compared to the, the sort of slightly more buttoned up clothes of other, other eras. They might look a little bit short compared to trousers these days and obviously quite vulnerably loose. But he, he would have had a pair of drawers underneath, linen drawers. So, and they were drawn in round the leg a bit more snugly. So there wouldn't have been anything uh, inadvertent <laughs> being displayed. I think that side of things was kept for um, private matters. Although obviously had quite a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit hello, 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 lovely listeners. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that means you are one of our wonderful Patreon patrons. So thank you so much for supporting our podcast at the making it work level. And I am so fiddly excited to have with me for their first time in the bonus room Nayland. hey Nayland. hi <laughs> um hello 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 everybody hello lovely listeners yeah hello patrons you give us life oh you're so amazing and, and very wonderful and uh so engaged with with this and so hopefully y'all will be 
um, as equally engaged uh, into what we we will be journeying into. So, so Naila, do you want to give a short, brief in, intro of what we'll be talking about, which is a stitch in time? Sure. Well, um, uh, to peek behind the curtain for a second, Ernest and I were just having a bit of a pre-show conversation mm-hmm. about what we can and cannot deal with at the present. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, we were uh, just talking about how. Um, uh, this is we're recording this on the Monday after the announcement of um, the death of of um, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg yes. and, um, and and you know the latest in a string of gut punches from um, 2020 mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and you know I think one of the things that I've been really aware of is. Um, how I have to really monitor my media intake these days mm-hmm. and the sorts of things that actually, um, that, that, that comfort me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, this, this show is a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of a concoction of all of them because um, the things that tend to comfort me are um, uh, British accents. Um, <laughs> Good to know. Uh, high style, um, art history, and um, and stealth feminism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this show, A Stitch in Time, uh from uh the BBC Channel 4 I believe um uh from 2016 is um an amazing combination of all of those things and mm-hmm. so I started watching it um in in the middle of a depression and liked it so much that I had sort of suggested to Ernest that it might be um some uh it, it might be uh, a bit of a, a balm for her as well. So, what did you think, Ernest? <laughs> what do you? What do you? So, we're going to talk about the first episode. Yes. Um, there, it's it's a six episode series. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite digestible. Uh, available on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, there are half hour long episodes. It's amazing, like how much they actually get into a half an hour. I know. Like you feel that, like after after like our sort of getting through like episode after episode <laughs> in of of um project runway mm-hmm. where it's like endless questions about whether or not somebody left the iron on <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to you know factor in time for all the looks across yeah the <laughs> yeah exactly and then the talking heads about that look yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of amazing to get like a tight 28 mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness but anyway I, I talked over you what did you what did you think well okay so i will say that i have a very soft spot for uh so i'm i'm, I'm and i'm taking your lead and and also some some other friends who are really into british uh, uh mystery and and like murder mystery things and trying to to to, to see where i can land and, and and dig into but um 
I am a I'm a huge fan of Lucy Worsley, and I think I've mentioned this to you, but she's the chief curator at historic royal palaces, mm-hmm. and she kind of her office is where Henry VIII last lived before he died, uh-huh. <laughs> and her programs I think they're also a really tight hour, but so much happens, and I think on Netflix had. Um, a series where she focused on the last czars of Russia and she has one, uh, you know, where she she focuses on different parts of like British history during the war or talking about, um, you know, rationing or talking about even very, very uh, wonderful things like the the evolution of the kitchen, the British kitchen or the evolution mm-hmm. of the British living room, things like that. And so this was sort of like, like like the grand not the granddaughter like the daughter of Lucy Worsley, right. especially in time, but also focusing on fashion because what I love about uh War- Lucy Worsley is, for instance, she loves putting on all of the period costumes even when it's unnecessary. She's not mm-hmm. even talking about the period costumes or the clothes that they were wearing, but she just you know she it's it's you can tell it's fun for her, mm-hmm. and so um. With this, I loved it, the idea so much because uh, the whole, the garments are, the fact that, okay, we'll get into it, but the fact that they're using garments mm-hmm. to talk about context, that's also something that I nerd out on. Yes. Where I'm like, I want to know the context, especially if it's something really, really, uh, you know, far, far back in the past, um, not necessarily in the Americas. Like, let's mm-hmm. just go deep into to, to the royal nitty gritty. So mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it, and I love oh, watching good. these women put together these garments in the slowest way possible because <laughs> they can't do anything else. <laughs> so so here is the here's the setup of yes. the show. In each episode, um, our host Amber Butchart, mm-hmm. um, of of uh, more of whom later on. Mm-hmm. Um, picks a particular garment from a painting and uh brings that uh brings the the painting to a uh the the workshop of someone who recreates historical garments using historically accurate methods yes um, and, uh, and as the garment is, uh, as a bespoke version of the garment is made for her to for wear, Amber. she brings you through the historical ramifications of the garment and the various types of manufacture, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and other tidbits from the time. Yes. Um, culminating in her... Um, wearing the garment and sort of experiencing the material culture of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite amazing. I'm excited. It, it, it <laughs> is. So in this episode, we are um, we we uh, are looking at a painting um, of uh, Charles the Second. Yes, and it's aka. In- AKA, yes, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? How were you... I I was just going to say aka the Merry Monarch. The Merry Monarch or the Restoration King or the mm-hmm. you know what, what other aka's he has. Yes. Um but I was just going to say that the this painting 
and we'll we'll see this later. It's just I don't. They didn't say who painted it. It's just there over a mm-hmm. mantle. Um, and to describe it, it's from what we can see on my computer. It's very brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a brown painting in a brown room, um, a a top of a mantle, and um, we have Amber with fire red hair and um, a wonderful like severe Bob wearing a suit that's that will kind of factor into. Mm-hmm. Um, what we'll, we'll be talking about, what we'll be dis- discussing, but um, yeah, because the painting it just says that it's of Charles II with his gardener John Rose, right? Who is presenting him with a pineapple? Yeah, which um, it, which surely was a uh, a rarity at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, we should have like a little word of, a word of warning, um. You know, the pineapple probably ended up getting presented to Charles because uh, because England was a colonizing power. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck colonizers. Mm-hmm. Fuck royalty. Um, even even if I'm willing to bathe in like the <laughs> we're aware the, the the dulcet British accents, I do not approve of. Yeah. Um, I do not approve of. Uh, of of royalty and and um and England and the English Empire. Yeah, we don't get um, into imperialism. Spoiler alert: we don't get into imperialism in this episode. <laughs> although we do see the ways in which um, dressing in a time before photography, mm-hmm. um, we we do understand the ways in which garments served as propaganda mm-hmm. for um for uh the for the state and for and and um and what the what the body of the king meant mm-hmm. uh, in its time and so that's one of the things that I think the show is really interesting about is it talks about the ways like we think about um dressing for each other mm-hmm. And we think about the big rhetorical moment that one could have is the is a red carpet, right? Is an award show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but court dressing uh, was the precursor to all of that. Yes. And um, and it's interesting to think about the ways that um, choosing to be depicted in a certain outfit in a painting um, is. Uh, as much a an an act of propaganda as as anything uh, else, yeah, that, that the king might do. So, do you want to dive in on like what's particular about this painting, or yeah, why? Yeah, I mean, I wrote Amber's, I, Amber's uh, interest. Yeah, I mean, I wrote some interesting little details because in thinking about garments and and fashion as 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 propaganda and as almost like code for for political and social um messages um and thinking thinking of how i've thought about how those garments have been used in the past it's 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 interesting that that this is um kind of forcing me to think about this as something that is um you know not just I don't know, like, I guess the the gravity of it, because, for instance, she points out that he probably commissioned this painting, perhaps because they, they, they suspect his gardener passed away the same year that the painting was finished, or to show off his 
bare face. It, it was very important mm-hmm. that they see his face without a mustache, even all in, in, in including how he's dressed. Um, that there are certain, um, even just facial hair signaled a change or whatever that they were trying to communicate during this restoration um, of the monarchy at this time, that everything was just placed just so. And, and in particular with, um, you know, with, with, the, with that, I was like, huh, he lost a stash. So that's, that's a big deal. I don't feel how it is important, but I know it is. Um, but also it made me um, think about, stories that I've heard about or, or the details of, um, for instance, Queen Mary, um, when she came back after um, uh, King Henry VIII died in order to not really reclaim her throne, because um, I'm, I'm, mis- I'm mixing up all of the, the history here. But there is a painting of her of returning back to England, and she's wearing um, like a, a gigantic red dress, and how important it was for her to establish herself as the heir to the throne by the way she dressed period and it, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very very different time but it, this is kind of you know in a in a long line of, of these things and i've never really taken it that seriously until just now <laughs> yeah well i think um one of the one of the points um that that amber makes is that um the uh the um charles's um uh father had uh been executed in part because of what was perceived to be the the opulence and mm-hmm. decadence of the court yes um and this is the um and and charles had returned to the throne after spending 10 years in exile um in various parts of europe um mm-hmm. prim- a, a lot of it in france mm-hmm. um so part of the work that the painting is doing is to position um, Charles as uh, not not so different from his gardener. Mm-hmm. There's in the painting, he's not dressed um, all that distinctly from his gardener mm-hmm. at first glance and also um, is is dressed in a way that is particularly seen as not French, which probably right. has something to do with what the shaving of the mustache, the, the mustache and the, and, and the, the facial hair being about. Um, and so uh, it's uh, one of the things that I love about the show is that it helps me be able to read these paintings in greater depth. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's a picture of these two white guys, like, you know, standing in outside of a like with a garden in the background Mm -hmm. with a couple of dogs next to them. So what? And then you start to understand, like, what the different poses mean, Mm -hmm. um, what the what, you know, what are the other signals that the painting is um, is there to uh, to give you? Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so we get this, um, we get this thing that it, this is, uh, a different sort of style of dress than the paintings that were commissioned during his coronation, Mm -hmm. where he's wearing very, very elaborate and, and showy clothes and actually has, uh, still has his, uh, mustache. And if you do a little Google image search on, on, uh, Charles II, you can start to see, 
the differences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really says something and and who knows if if the coloring is is correct and especially um in looking at painting especially as a photographer <clears throat> um how in, how he kind of blends into just the entire image because of the um the coloring of his clothes and even his hair it's just a very brown image um mm-hmm. but also what i love about this is i mean i don't want to go too far but I just kind of love kind of, you know, getting in the lay of the land of this, looking at um, this particular outfit and then, um, you know, digging a little bit deeper into it. It's like, so, so what mm-hmm. is he actually wearing? Mm-hmm. So then we're, um, we're, we are introduced to our, um, uh, Amber takes us off to uh, the old dairy. I knew. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, <laughs> the old dairy. Let's go there. <laughs> Um, (laughs) which um is uh is the workshop of uh of ninja michaela Mm -hmm. who is a a clothing historian and restorer Mm -hmm. and uh and it will be uh michaela's job to reproduce the garment Yes. So we start to um, we start to learn from her a little bit more about like um, that this garment is um, actually a lot uh, more lavish than it seems initially. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear that that it's got yards and yards of silk ribbon on it. Yep. Um, that it has more than a hundred buttons and buttonholes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I love this part. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's great, right? Yeah, because it's like you, you see this kind of like, you know, a relatively drib drab compared to all of his other portraits. And Mm. then you have Ninja here picking it apart and being like, yeah, well, let's, this is how it presents but um, if you really, you know, kind of knowing what I know, this means these other things. For instance, like the the buttonholes. She's like, I've counted. They're like 100 buttonholes there. <laughs> and then that's that's when Amber goes, oh, that sounds like fiddly work, is it? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fiddly work because you're going to have to do all that stuff by hand. It takes right. forever. Um, a day's work, she says, just for the buttonholes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she talks about... Um... She says, "Like if uh, I'm, I've gotten pretty good, um, and I, I work quite quickly, and I can, I can probably do a, a decent buttonhole in five minutes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes. I mean, it's you know, again, I have a sewing machine, and there is a button foot on there. Mm-hmm. You can really could make buttonholes and 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 fit that thing together, and not that long of a time the most time it takes is you to change the foot on your sewing machine mm-hmm. um but i think and what's wonderful about that is that those are probably the most functional things on that garment because in in thinking about what charles ii is trying to represent in this garment so much of it she describes as functionless just no just just this is pretty 
this is just a uh, um, uh, effect. No, that that doesn't really do anything. There isn't anything there. Basically, the only thing that really functions as a utilitarian thing are these buttons, <laughs> and everything mm-hmm. else is just so showy, <laughs> but mm-hmm. in a very um, conservative way. <laughs> right. So um, we hear that you know Charles is um, big on uh, was big on promoting. Um, English fabrics mm-hmm. um, and so the wool um, the the wool that the suit is made out of is a very particular kind of wool mm-hmm. um, and uh, but also that it looks like the thing is lined with um, what what she calls um, shot silk yeah which is um, I, once it's described I knew exactly what it was it's it's a silk that's woven with two different colors in two different directions. Yeah. So when you look at it from one direction, it looks yellow. Mm-hmm. When you look at it from the other direction, it looks red. Because is that the same as iridescence or is that different? It's very it's very similar. Like a lot of what you would think of as as iridescence is is that. Okay. And, and we still see like those sorts of fabrics today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I I never heard it called that, like shot silk. I just mm-hmm. do you like do, does it go by a different name or do you know of it by a different name than shot silk? Uh, I remember reading about it. Uh, like I remember that term being in like books that yeah. I had read where I had like no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to have it like um, you know explained. Okay. Yeah. Man, it's so great. Yeah, and it's yeah. really, really beautiful. And I love that she looked at it. It it just looks shiny from the, or I guess you can assume that there is a shine to it. Mm-hmm. And so she just looked at it, as extrapolated historically historical knowledge that she has. She's like, oh yeah, no, this is shot fabric. This mm-hmm. is this is what that is. Ah, uh, so great. Um, and also they t- she talked about the wait. Did you already mention this? The britches. No. Uh, I think that's later on when oh. they're talking about the the cut of them or well no just like the just what what there's like the coat and then just describing the britches and how um they're th- those like little loops of yes that there's all this silk on yeah on the called... shoulders and the yes yeah the wrists and the and the the top of the britches mm-hmm. and the bottom of the britches have these like loops of silk. Yeah. Even with that. And she was like, oh, this is just yawns and yawns and yawns of silk. And I'm like, wow, yes. it's very <laughs> unassumingly expensive as fuck. This helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, um, so uh, Ninya's on the case of, of like starting to recreate this. And then um, we quickly cut away to one of my other favorite things to be able to do mm-hmm. is we we meet with um a one of the head curators of garments at the victorian albert museum mm-hmm. and and we are like taken way you know we're taken into the archive and um the uh, the coronation. What is this? This is the we're we're shown like the coronation outfit of. Yeah, it's a suit that Charles's brother wore, James II. Yes, wore for his wedding. Yes, and so it's around the same time. So in the same time frame after 
after Charles II has been coronated. So he's still mm-hmm. still king, but they're going to kind of see a, a like, more um yeah, an embellished version of what Charles II has been wearing. Yeah, what what court wear actually oh, yes, looks like. Yes, like what, what you would wear for like a, a special occasion. Yes. And it is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the mount. So there's a lot. Okay, because we there's so much embroidery, but I also thought, is this where they talk about court dress? How it changed? Um, this... a, a little bit later on. I okay, think. I'll, I'll I'll keep that to myself. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, um, with with this, how they and this is also something that Lucy Worsley does, which I just love it when they bring out those white gloves. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe these garments survived this long from mm-hmm. the 1500s or whatever. And um, they're doing a side-by-side with this James II outfit and Charles II's outfit. And it's very similar, mm-hmm. but just really, really embellished with so much hand-stitched embroidery. And the colors are different. So it's a lighter gray, perhaps it, maybe it used mm-hmm. to be blue even, or but, but something that was um, a lot more, uh, oh my gosh, just, just a lot to look at, a lot of lace and very oh, bright. Yeah, tons, tons of of gilded, t- gilded thread and yeah. and embroidery work over every inch of it. Yes. Yeah, it's really really wonderful. Hmm. Um. And and also I wrote down her name. Her name is Susan North. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, and and actually she does talk about um one of the things that's sort of revolutionary um, about what Charles is doing. You're right. She does talk about court dress because the thing is, she points out that you would never wear your coat. Yeah. Which you were riding around in your, like on your horse Mm -hmm. or outdoors, wherever you were, you know, you would never wear that to court. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that your coat was something that was a utilitarian garment that was never um, that that was never a court thing. Like you would wear like a shirt and ma- you know maybe a doublet or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would never you'd never wear and an, like your outerwear right um, to court. And that's something that Charles changed mm-hmm. as he made the he turned the he declared that the coat was um, court dress. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She refers to it as blinging it up. I yes. mean, it just looks like there are, you know, embroidered suns and explosions on this. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, and as explosive as embroidered lace and, and silk can look like it, it's gorgeous. And also the buttons have surprised, which she's surprised. She's surprised about oh, the buttons have survived, which is mm-hmm. surprising to her because usually and I wonder, this is a question, because she said usually you they would take the buttons off and use them for something else. But I would like to think that because it's the the king's um, uh, cousin or, or relative of the king that they wouldn't have taken the buttons off of the jacket and just left it there. But you also yeah. get to see what these buttons look like. And I want to know how they made those by hand. It just, they look like little meringues you know those little cookies with <laughs> yes. little tips on top i'm like yeah, that yeah. must have taken forever to make yeah they so. are they are they are um it, w- yeah we see buttons getting made later on and these buttons are like incredibly yeah, lavish insanely lavish um and then um we go we go back to the dairy and we learn about tailors yeah 
I love this part because yeah. Ninia is making britches. So she's making the little short parts um, mm-hmm. on, the, on the little pants. And she's making them in a way that historically this would be made by using up as much of the fabric as possible. And um, she has this pattern that's a little bit too long for the width of the yard mm. of, y- of the yardage. And she's like, you know, this is what they would do back then when only men would tailors. You cut this part off and then you put this other part here and there's going to be an extra seam. It's weird to look at for the modern eye, but, you know, waste not what not. <laughs> 1600s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, that that um, and it and it it's not it's spelled out explicitly, but you realize that actually the looms were not all that wide. Mm hmm. So you could only get like you know you couldn't get as as long a piece, you know as as wide a piece of fabric as we're accustomed to now. Yeah, yeah. So you have to figure out how you're actually going to get those long spans of fabric. She talks about piecework. She talks about um, uh, that um, the um, that that um i what i can't remember exactly what the years are for um that you start out as an apprentice mm-hmm. um and then you you know you work for a certain amount of time and then you become a journeyman mm-hmm. um and uh and finally you uh you you know you get a commission and you graduate to being a full tailor it just but sounds a lot like of tailors... everyone was like 7 years in your role Yes. Like it's seven years yes. or something. Before you before before you moved up at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. And then we get to um I mean expertise is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love Minya. There's like and she starts talking about um we see her sewing uh these britches by hand. Yes. Um, and immediately I was like, oh my God, look at those, look at that hand stitch. Like, look at the it's so straight. size and evenness of her stitches. I'm dying. <laughs> like, she's incredible. It's real good. And I, I noticed the thread cause it's really thick, <laughs> but also of course, cause they're, you know, using this thick ish fabric, but the thread looked thicker than usual. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, well, I, I just find out that it's linen. Yeah. Um, which has a lot of loose fibers on it, so it it tears very easily. Mm-hmm. So you have to run it through um, wax, yeah, before you before you sew with it. Yeah, it doesn't snag. Right. I mean, it's really kind of great. I don't know. I think that's also how. It also reminded me of sort of just how you take care of strings for instruments or certain instruments. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, when you're, when you're using, um, I don't know. Yeah. When you're sewing thicker fabrics, I, I, I'm not used to seeing thread that thick, but, um, Mm -hmm. and also it wouldn't survive, I believe going through a modern machine. Right. Um, so you would definitely need, but it also, I was thinking about like how, how, how it must last longer. It must be better. Um, and, mm-hmm. and provide more structure for the garment also. Just, oh, it's just so, so great. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there. <laughs> so, um, so we go through we go through that, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, let's see what's up next. Because uh, well, I have here that um, uh, Amber takes us to this I wrote austere place like another palace. Yes, <laughs> in the countryside. Yeah, somewhere, and then she leads us into this room with oh should I wrote her name Rebecca Ridiel or Ridiel, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. They're standing underneath of, I would call a vintage portrait of, of Charles II. <laughs> back when he was, <laughs> back when he still had the stash, he had the mustache and was dressed all fancy like in his super shiny, um, extravagant, opulent looking garments, looking French, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I love this part because um, I think this is the part that I, did, I was trying to like hold back on because they 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 do talk a little bit more about how he really had to walk this fine line of toning it down especially when mm-hmm. you could find these portraits of him not that you know they're kind of like covering it up but it's like but how do, how do i so you know um historically uh, speaking um uh, under you know kind of talking about the circumstances that Charles II came back into the monarchy um under like trying not to get beheaded like his dad, not, mm-hmm. you know, just saying that just not that he was trying to do that overtly, but it's like, you know, Charles the first beheaded because of the extravagance, because of the opulence. Um, but then um, trying to walk that line of being toned down and sensible, not, not too loud, um, but also uh, having to balance out what a monarch looks like or the honor and the opulence that is sort of kind of, needed to legitimize a monarchy in a way. Mm-hmm. So here they talked about a little bit of how the court events were sort of allowed to, to, to be opulent, but um, how Charles the the second kind of had a different, um, because he didn't grow up in court. Like, like you said, like he grew up right. in he exile. He grew up in exile. And, and had to disguise um, yeah. and, and, and pretend that he wasn't an heir yes. to the throne so he could yes you know live um and uh yeah and um i also i love how um like young and not stuffy everybody that we've met so far what do you is. mean nalen what do you mean not like not stuffy <laughs> well i mean i i mean that um and i'm 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 blanking on her name mm-hmm. um our guide here oh amber or rebecca a- rebecca, yeah, rebecca is mm-hmm. is like wearing you know does not have like your classic like bbc presenter thing going on nope she's wearing these crazy kind of dangly earrings and like a like a denim overall skirt or yeah like overall dress mm-hmm. and um you know, uh, one of those like um, uh, elastic chokers. Yeah, it's like this. Gothic. Uh, she's kind of gothy. Yeah, she's kind of gothic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but she's like talking about all this stuff in very like plain terms. Mm-hmm. There's something um, kind of uh, lovely about it. Yeah, it's and then like her hair, like, she's got like 
hot pink tips to her yes. her blonde hair. I, yeah, I and it's it's sort of, um, I don't know. It's it's really it, it, it's not like she cools it up. It's like this stuff is already kind of cool to think about or interesting, um, and I kind of think of it as something that is old, not old hat, but something that is secondhand for a lot of people who live in the UK. Or, but that's also because I, I get most of what I know from the UK through the BBC and they're, you know, usually people like this experts who mm-hmm. um, have done research or, or, or are historians and academics and things like that. But, um, but even this idea of in, in culture, knowing of Charles II as a Mary monarch is something that I can imagine is just something that um, is just par for the course. That's just, in the air, like language, <laughs> things that you would know about your, your history. So, sort of, you know, like, like our history, there's just certain things that we just kind of know about just because we lived here for so long, but because there's all of this, the, the monarchs and all the names and the doublings of names are, have always been difficult for me to hold. There's so many Marys, <laughs> mm-hmm. so many Marys that I'm just like, which one am I talking about? Um, so many Henrys, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So um, we uh, we next pick up and um, head off to a discussion of um, of uh, Charles's cousin, mm-hmm. I believe, Louis the Fourteenth. Yep. And sort of the power of the French court in establishing um, fashion. Mm-hmm. And we start to get into the thing that. Um, that uh, that Charles was sort of reacting to, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and so the idea of Frenchness and French um, dis- dissipation was like really um, uh, a a big one in mm-hmm. England, um, and uh, and they happened to have <laughs> this was a moment that sort of struck home a little bit. Um, was that in 1666 they had um, a plague <laughs> and uh, and a and a couple of uh, a couple of wars? Yeah. Um, and uh, and the Great Fire. Great Fire. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you when I watched this the first time? It must have been like maybe it was like a month ago or two months ago. This meant something totally different than in what it means now. <laughs> Even just two months ago, when I just was like, "Oh, let's look into this," yeah, the yeah. Great Fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, blamed by a lot of people on the French. <laughs> so, um, uh, so uh, there's we get this like really interesting moment, um, where on the seventh of October, so coming up soon is the anniversary of this. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um in 1666, mm-hmm. um Charles declares that that court dress uh and sort of and sort of British dress is now going to um include a a vest. <laughs> yes. Um that the court that his court is going to reject French fashion mm-hmm. and adopt an English style, which was going to be a long vest over like oh, uh, under the knee length coat. Mm-hmm. 
um, getting rid of the sort of doublet and and uh, and hose. Yes. Um, I I have to say I I thought this was so delightful, um, not really taking in the seriousness of it because what I got from this is Charles II had been trying to be a lot more demure and toned down with how mm -hmm. he was presenting himself. But the court was like, nope, <laughs> not us. We're not going to be following in your footsteps with everything. And so it's sort of like, you know, the court were still being these, um, these, yeah, just sort of this example of, I, 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 in my in my notes, I, I call them, not that they were actually assholes, but like relatively, like, oh, we don't care. You know, this, this kind of stuff got your dad killed but we're gonna we're gonna keep living it up in court and it, it was with this declaration that they were all forced to get rid of that and actually wear some vests right yeah yeah which is which um in some ways is the invention of the three-piece suit yes for men yes um and uh and also, the other sort of undercurrent, well, we get to this a little bit later on, so we don't have to necessarily bring it up mm. now. But um, but that, you know, that thing that we now think of as this kind of um, power move, the three-piece suit, mm -hmm. um, actually gets its start in this attempt to be um, restrained and not yeah. frivolous. Yes. And not and not a French fop. Right. Yeah. And also that it was received with um a lot of dismay and um was considered to be um kind of yeah, sort of the worst thing you could have done to nobility. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> like there so cuz there is that interstitial of Samuel Pepys Yes. Is it Peps? Um, Peeps. Peeps. And the reason why they know the date of this coronation, I mean, not coronation, of this um, declaration is because of um, Samuel Peeps's diary entry the day after mm -hmm. it happens. Yes. On the 8th of October, 1666. <clears throat> and how um, also the Louis, Louis XIV responded in a way that... Um, uh, communicated that um this was sort of a like but sort of beneath With a nobility. Sick burn yeah kind of <laughs> if you if you wanna if you wanna thumb your nose at your royal cousin from you know across the way then you'll take his stupid vests and make all your foot people all, all of your servants wear it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm going <laughs> overnight. I'm going to make a uniform change, and you're going to wear the vests that my cousin use, uh, cousin wears. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put them on all my servants, and it's like that. You know, it's sort of a, a finger in the eye of the court. <laughs> Ooh, snap! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, so even to think about how this, as a power move back then, it really was the you know the, to communicate the exact opposite in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, if you you can follow um, uh, Samuel Peeps on Twitter. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a bot up yeah. that posts his diaries. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
on a on a daily basis. Oh wow. Samuel Peeps has a Twitter account. That's mm-hmm. how 2020 is that? How 21st century <laughs> is that? <laughs> uh, and if all times have a Twitter account. Yeah. Cuz I have to say I love I love those little entries that he, he's just like, "Oh, come on." Ma, the, did you hear what they did in France? The footmen yeah. are wearing these vests. Oh, yeah. what's, if, what's wild about this is that it's basically just it takes a month and a half for the news to get over there and back. Yeah. Which is wild when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of kind of quick. But also, yeah. I wonder I'm wondering how long did it take them to make all those vests for for Louis the 14th's footmen? Mm-hmm. What kind of resources were spent on that just to basically, you know, I mean, rag on no your cousin? <laughs> so, um, so back once again to the dairy. Yes. Where, um, where we, where the the garment is coming along, and we meet um, two other uh, folks who are working there. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so we we learn that the sort of we're sort of replicating the structure here. Mm-hmm. So uh, there would be the king's tailor working on this. It would be a master tailor. There'd probably be a journeyman mm-hmm. um, who, after the pattern was cut and the pieces were decided on, would have been sent over to. And that role is being fulfilled by um, uh, Harriet. Yes. Today. And then we have um, at the bottom of the ladder we mm-hmm. have. Um, uh, the apprentice, mm-hmm. and uh, that role is being filled by Hannah. Yes. And it was at this moment when I first was watching this through, where I suddenly realized that unlike almost every other historical documentary you might see, mm-hmm. um, we had yet to uh, hear from a single man. Mm-hmm. And I got very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to like, I started to think about um, Ninja's like work, uh, work environment as this, as this like, um, you know, stitch witch coven <laughs> of, of historical replicators who are, who are all here sewing together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause it's, because even the you know how they how they name them and I wouldn't say that tailor or even apprentice is necessarily gendered, but journeyman I've never heard that term before. I still don't really know what it means. I'm wondering if it oh, means sure. like four person foreman or um you, you like you just like I guess the associate maybe. Uh yeah, I mean there's I I there's still um. I think that term is still used in some unions. Like I think oh. it's still used in some trade unions. Oh, interesting. That you're that you're a journeyman. Journeyman. Okay. Yeah, I'd never heard of that term before. But um, but yeah, but it's very stark. And Nin- <laughs> and has said before, you know, I I I I wouldn't have been able to do any of this back then. Like this yes. is just all um for men. Um, but also um, it's and what they're doing all day. The the three of them are. They're, it's buttonhole day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It's going to take a whole day. And so we get to see um, Amber try her hand. Mm-hmm. 
and and that and we also get to see that incredibly lovely um uh very very british kind of like pity and condescension (laughs) (laughs) and this was the moment where i was like i'm so glad i don't have amber's job (laughs) (laughs) okay what did you see in this like yeah because because I, I remember well what i loved about this is that um she got to use that little uh what do you call it, the buttonhole cutter that has a really sharp razor's edge and then yeah. ninia hands her like a hammer on top of it and she goes oh i didn't expect this to be so tool oriented i was like what do you mean <laughs> there's just tools everywhere but, well it's um, like if you've ever done any leather working you'll know exactly what like this is like a little line punch. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then um, we get to see her attempt some hand sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what does she call it? Um, it's very fiddly. Yeah. Doing this hand sewing thing, but it's and also. <laughs> Again, the th- the thread is so thick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like the more the more wiry the f- the thread looks, the more authentic it it must be. But also, the harder it is to to do what you need to do with that thread. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah. This was, but also look kind of soothing. Like I would love to kind of sit all day and just mm-hmm. try to sew a whole button or a buttonhole. Um, but also calls to your attention just the things that. You know, because I'm wearing jeans right now um, and how you close a buttonhole on a machine is just to do it by hand is just kind of, oh, my God, it's very it's very labor intensive. Yes. So Um, we also this is um, the first really good look at um, Amber's um, uh, for um, for olive green Mm -hmm. and and one pimento red nail. That she has. Memento red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, oh man, I didn't even notice. I noticed it. It looked like I was, you know, for a second I was like, is that on her middle finger? No, it's on the ring finger. Yeah. But yeah, no, they're really, really, they're really great. <laughs> her nails look great. <laughs> they look great. With everything else, like her hair, her outfit, everything. Yeah. You haven't, you know, described yeah, yeah. all of it, but it's great. So... But so. she she kind of uh, doesn't do so great with her buttonhole though. Yeah, she does better than I could, <laughs> but no, but nowhere near. <laughs> Not up to Ninja yeah, standards. There's a moment where she says, um, "So wait a minute, you're telling me like the thing I'm killing myself over here over what is basically unskilled labor." <laughs> <laughs> and Ninja's like, "Well, yes." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you would be doing that for seven years (laughs) do you see why you need seven years because look at your buttonhole (laughs) it's awful let's look at yours next to mine it's like me (laughs) this is seven this is 14 years of training (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny because it's so functional it's like let's see if we can fit the the actual button through there and it's like yeah it fits (laughs) yeah it's it fits so but still it looks awful the crappy yes. buttonhole. So. 
Um, and then we get to go to another archive. Yay! I just, I love this. National Archives. Yes. I, yes. I love this too. It's like backstage at the museum. Yes. So great. And and so we get to see um, Charles's wardrobe ledger. Yes. Like the ledger that was devoted to his um devoted to his clothes. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed, I have to say, I'm I was shocked here that she is that Amber is like touching this oh without gloves. You know, because I was once told by someone who worked in rare books that it's actually worse if you wear gloves. Because oh, really? of the yeah, because okay. the fibers get caught in the pages. And um, it's almost better to, for just just to wash your hands really well. Well, there you go. There. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so we get some other historical background here. We get the scandalous fact that even though Charles uh, was a big promoter of this sort of English idea of dress, mm-hmm. his tailor was actually French, mm-hmm. and he had, had someone that he had brought back with him from exile. Yeah, I just imagine this tailor, Claude Sorceau, to mm-hmm. be like, you know, his his one stable friend this his whole time in exile, or the the person he, that he could trust the most, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just kind of, you know, not not necessarily that he was influenced by French style, but just that this this is very dramatic. I'm I'm painting a, a narrative around it that's probably not true, yeah. but just like oh, this is what this is my um my oldest friend is Claude Sorso, and he knows what I what I need, and it's not necessarily because he's French, but because you know, he's been in disguise with me for half my life. Well, I just had this moment <laughs> where I was like, okay, so Claude. Who's your girl and where is she going? <laughs> well, um, she's the king. But you don't know that. she's going to receive a pineapple from her gardener. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I'm, I'm, I'm uh, inspired by those moments, um, you know, just on, on the, in the street corner of Scotland where... <laughs> There was one jacket that had to look exactly like a brick wall. Um, and so I just kind of drew drew from that, you know, the coloring from there, just kind of, you know, just evoke those times of just, you know, just really, really rough times where we had to kind of blend in with the surroundings, you know, because the, the grounds are brown. And so that's sort of just what I was going for. I was going for that, that like third year exile look. So. See, I don't know. When I think pineapple... <laughs> I think I I think pizza, and I don't I don't. There isn't any really anything in this garment that says pizza to me. But you know, maybe it is <laughs> unconsciously harkening back to that time when we had to hide underneath, you know, a gondola in 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 Venice. You know, like remember that one time um, that we essentially had to pretend that we were gondolarians gondolarians whatever on that boat and we used the same kind of brown because we had to blend in as much as possible remember that was basically all that we were doing i love that show the gondolarian Gondolarian. (laughs) (laughs) what am i trying to say what are they called the gondola gondoliers but but gondolarian because the mandalorian is coming back on october 30th (laughs) it's in my head 
Really? Gondoliers. I don't care. Oh, I love don't that show. Care. I can't I wait. That's what I use. That's myself. Like, oh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, baby Yoda. I, love it. I mean, talk about a royal family that I do not care about. Like, you. I don't care what this guy, what happens to the Skywalker. Yeah. The Skywalker, well, they're whatever. not in it yet. It's mostly Yoda and yeah. the Mandalorians. So. Yeah. So well, good. no. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Tw- <laughs> the, this half of 2020 anyway. version me, maybe that's going to be a little bit too much. But anyway, back to this. Uh, the gondoliers, not the gondolorians. Yeah. The gondoliers. So, so the anyway, pineapples. I I love that we get to um I, I love that we get to see these like primary documents. This is yeah. this is like the stuff that like I just like eat up with a spoon. And also like what a what a wonderful shift that she's taken us through because we've seen, you know, pre um pre what do you call it, declaration Charles and we get to see, uh, we get to go to, I think she was in Paris when we were talking about Louis the Fourteenth, mm-hmm. um, And then she's swinging us back, or we, you know, we swung to V&A into the archives to see what the family was wearing, um, to put that into context. And then she swings us by the National Archives. It's great. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. Yes. Um, then we yeah. go back to the dairy to find out about the breeches. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The, the bottom half of the garment. Yes. Um, and, uh, we find out, um, that there's this particular sort of, um, gather at the waist Mm -hmm. that they're, um, that they're sort of weirdly low slung. Mm -hmm. Um, Hannah, the apprentice is hard at work on all of the various, um, uh, uh, knots of silk ribbon. Yeah. Um, we get, uh, we get some technical terms for particular kinds of gathering. Yeah. I love this. Cause it's, I've never heard of, she calls it partridge or cartridge pleading, not cartridge. cartridge, sorry. Yeah. Cartridge pleading, which I've never heard of before. I've heard of gathering and then, you know, types of gatherings are pleadings, but mm-hmm. again, she was using what she called cords, just really thick yarn yeah. or not, not yarn, but thread. And then pulling that through all of those layers of fabric that they had there. Um, mm-hmm. well, well, okay. But I was going to ask if you got the impression that Harriet, Harriet is our journeyman. If yes. she was scandalized a little bit by how short Charles II's britches were. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. There's, there's some, there's some joking around about like, um, making sure that he had that he wore drawers underneath yeah. there, and like that, so that there wasn't any like inadvertent um, royal um, uh, nether expo- uh, 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 exposure. Yes, she she referred to the bottom of the shorts. She's like, yes, the you know the bottom of the shorts are vulnerably loose. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like that's what the knots are for. You yeah. put those little knots on the bottom just in case, you know, it, you know, a little wind, you know, blows up your leg or something. <laughs> because I would have thought that there was some elastic there, but I guess, no. Really? It didn't it, exist it, yet. Yeah. Not, and, and, it, and you would have to gather all of that, but gathering is not the same because it's pretty uh, staid. And that was mm-hmm. another thing that I liked about this part with Harriet because there was a feature to the back of the britches that um, you just kind of fix it with eyelets that he could 
undo if you got bigger. So you could let out the waste because you gather it and it's not stretchy at all. You're going to gather those pleats. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay. You just couldn't get too small because then you'd have to regather and, and yes. you know, take it in all, all too much. So after this joking uh, 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 around on the workroom, we get to the reveal. Yes. Time to dress up. Time, time to, um, this is, this is the moment where I was like, oh man, I, now I really wish I had Amber's job. I know. I mean, it's, it sounded like a little bit about, you know, it was like the, you know, I'm about to walk down the aisle type music or what I call British countryside piano. And it always makes me so happy because I'm like, oh, something really fun's about to happen. And, um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, you, you can, yeah, I'll let you like talk about this part yeah well we get the voiceover that's worn on the body clothes change from lifeless fabric into a potent means of communication Aww. while while our three um our our three accomplished um tailors uh dress amber in her uh custom version of the of the outfit mm-hmm. and it really does take other people to dress her <laughs> yes yeah 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 which is always something that's so interesting about these clothes um and and also in particular what charles ii was trying to communicate with these clothes you still get dressed like a monarch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do it yes. alone um not just because you were yeah you were raised to not do it it's just that you the clothes make it so that you can't do this by yourself (laughs) so and and so what do you think about this like now that we're now now that she's in it yeah i mean i mean i loved it so much it looked so comfortable on her the only thing is that it was pulling at her shoulders that's the only Mm -hmm. thing so it, it looked as if it were a little bit too narrow for her up top but i she poses and she talks yeah. about this later, but she can't stop posing and uh-huh. holding her arms up because there are these wonderful cuffs and it's um, the you can see the lining. So you can see the the shot silk or the iridescent like looking silk. And you can kind of tell from the way she's moving in it that it feels great. It's just mm-hmm. that the britches are low waist. I think if mm-hmm. you're used to wearing low waist jeans, you know, low rise or whatever you call those things. um, then that would be fine. But, um, but I, it's just, it's really wonderful to look at because of the proportions. And they talk about that too, where it creates Mm -hmm. like a pear shaped body rather than what they were wearing before with these built up shoulders, almost like imitating armor. Um, but no, but this is like a, it's, it's small at the top and then it billows out around the waist and, and the tops of your thighs. And then, that's that's where that is. But I thought it looked so fun to wear. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I mean, who doesn't love playing dress up? So yes. this it's like I was I really I loved this about the show. That it's like, okay, it has all of these things going on in it and, and it ends up with like kind of playing dress up. Yeah. But you also do get a a sense of how all of these different moments of ideology come together in this thing that somebody is wearing. Mm-hmm. And and the truth is, yes, this is like a court garment, but 
every piece of clothing has as complicated a story. Yes. Yeah. And is as complicated a transmitter of meaning. Yeah. And so that was the thing that finally, like, that really sold me on this show. And it's one of the things, you know, that I'm, that, that when I'm a, a critic of Project Runway or these other shows, mm-hmm. it's partially because I, I miss that um, sort of expansive thinking about what dress means. Mm-hmm. And what it and what it can mean, yeah. and all of the different things that that come together um, in uh, in a garment. And so I love the fact that this um, this show really gets at that in mm-hmm. a way that's not um, that doesn't feel uh, punitive, mm-hmm. right? That feels that still also feels kind of joyous. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree because I almost you know in. It's, to think about it, um, I think there are a lot of instances in Project Runway where they really try to, if anyone comes in really thinking that clothes can be political or have some type of social influence, they kind of, I think, try to dim that down or kind of sand it away a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like lighten up is just fashion or. You know, mm-hmm. this is not art. I've heard that said too. Like, this is not art. <laughs> this is fashion. Yeah. Um, and so thinking of it in this kind of way where it can be code for so many things, if you're willing to look at why they are and how, how they perform. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm... Uh... I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I am glad I enjoyed it too. I was pretty sure I was, but then I gave it a chance. I'm like, listen, you know, watch this and see if, because honestly, I, I, again, I love anything that sort of looks like Lucy Worsley dressing up the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what this was, but even, but even, like, but, but really wonderful in a different kind of way. Yes. My only thing is I would love for them to do, dress up time where there's more space for her to kind of just twirl around. <laughs> it was pretty, it looked pretty tight back there in the green room. <laughs> yeah. The, it does, You do get the sense that she's sort of, that, that she's sort of stowed away someplace. I don't know exactly where that is, Yeah, but it does seem like a, like, yeah, like a green room. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even so I'm, I'm, uh, I, uh, I kind of, I kind of love it. Yeah. I can't wait for the next one because the the inspiration for this one is from a painting that I actually know. <laughs> the next painting, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, Nealon, this is such a great, uh, such such a great suggestion, and um, I'm so happy that you told me about it because I'm and I'm <laughs> and yeah and I we talked about this on podcast but I'm telling the listeners like I'm going slowly so I haven't seen the whole season mm-hmm. mostly because I kind of don't want to spoil it or ruin it like I don't want to binge it I want to I want to take yeah. my time so so I'm excited yeah. I would suggest that to like I would suggest that to anybody it's like it's um they're they're bite sized. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really, really rich. It's like yeah. having like a really good chocolate truffle. Yep. 
um, where you don't want it to be huge, but you get you you get like a really um, a really rich experience with it. Yeah. And um, and so for you, dear listener, I would say like go one at a time. Yeah. Come on this journey with us yes. and um, walk with us. <laughs> yeah, and um, and enjoy other people's expertise. The thing that is so exciting to me about this is like I love hearing people like you know uh being knowledgeable yeah and being capable yeah. and um uh, and we live in a time that discounts so much about expertise yeah and um and and there's something compelling about it wherever it's applied mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, that's uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's why I love Project Runway. <laughs> I just love yeah. making yeah, yeah. amazing things. Like I can't do that, and I can yeah. watch you do something that's amazing. So, oh, cool, great. Hernez, well, where can people find you? Ah, uh, well, so uh, listeners, you can find me all over the interwebs at Hernez H E R N E A S E, or on my website hernezdavis.com. And Nayland, where can everyone find you? People can find me a tiny bit on Twitter at at Nalen Blake, um, uh, even less on on Instagram <laughs> at um, uh, uh, Nalen W Blake. I'm and, and I'm trying to um, revive my website, which is uh, uh, NalenBlake.net. Yay! Um, also, if you search around, you can find me on Tumblr. So oh. I've been I've been going back to Tumblr a little bit. All right, good to know. Um, and uh, I will say that um, on October sixteenth, it'll be the opening, uh, the virtual opening of my exhibition "No Wrong Holes: Yay. Thirty Years of Nayland Blake" at the MIT List Center. So right. you can check that out online. Yeah, that's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's we're so in the middle happening. of installation. My goodness, via Zoom, which is an interesting uh, experience. Oh, that's yeah, that's very 2020. I have to say, yeah, man. Um, and also, um, in in kind of taking a note from you, Nayland, reminding you listeners, if you're in the U.S. or if you're eligible to vote in the U.S., um, mm-hmm. please do so. Make a plan. Make sure your loved ones who are also eligible have a plan to do so. And um, hoping that y'all are still taking care of yourselves as best as you can, because um, a lot's happening, um, and taking care of, of, of one another. So um, we're trying to do the same. Now, now more than ever, <laughs> yes. um, we need we need each other's care. Yes, definitely. Um, thank you so much, Nayla. This is so great. Thank you, Ernez. Yeah, of course. <laughs> talk to you soon. Okay. And then talk to you soon, <laughs> listeners. We'll both say uh, goodbye for now. All right. Oh, Bye. hey. You know, other podcasts oh, do this, but we never really do this. What do we? But, what? like, leave reviews. Oh, yeah. Leave a review of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting to do that. Should we should we commit? Should we say like if you leave a five star review of the podcast, we will read it aloud? Oh man, okay. It's something I hear other podcasts do. Well, we can do that on the main one because yes. I feel like our Patreon patrons are like they really. You're already us. on board. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but tell other people to listen to it. Yes, <laughs> please do. And if you want, if you want to, you can leave leave something on on the Patreon if you would like to leave a little message for us. And then you know you can read it read from each other on Patreon. But yes. we just like seeing them too. That'd be so great. Yes, yes. To hear from y'all. Yeah, if you watch this show and and had a feeling about it, let us know. Yeah, yeah. If we're if we're being tools of the imperialists, let us know. <laughs> yes, please tell us, especially <laughs> especially for that. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, thanks so much, listeners. Um, we will uh, talk to y'all soon on the Patreon. All right. Bye. Bye.